The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. This is Sarah with Birth Circle, and today I'm so excited. I have Rashida Williams with me, and Rashida is a certified holistic doula and a registered behavior tech, and thank you so much for being here, Rashida. Thank you, Sarah, for having me on. I appreciate you inviting me. This is going to be such an interesting episode, so today we're going to be talking about racism in the birth in the birthplace. And first, I want to start with a quote that just makes, or just a statistic that makes my blood boil. Uh, Black women are six times more likely to die in childbirth and shortly thereafter in postpartum than their white and Hispanic counterparts, even after adjusting for socioeconomic status. That means, people, you're more likely to die as a wealthy Black woman in labor than a poor white woman. So, ah. Yes, um, that statistic is is a fact. And um, it's scary to think that just because of the color of your skin, you might die having a baby. Yeah. And you say that even babies, um, they are worse. So what's, you have that statistic, right? Yeah. Our black babies are two to five times more likely to die in their first year of life. Um, and that's disheartening. Something has to be done. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why do you think they're more Uh, likely? I think it has a lot to do with, um, the prenatal care, the support systems, um, all that are during pregnancy as well. Uh, let's see. And with moms also postpartum care, not knowing or not having the skills or people not having the skills to care for moms after they have birthed their babies. Sometimes signs are missed in the prenatal and the postnatal. And also you were mentioning before we started recording about um, even COVID, the the effects of COVID policies in hospitals has been a little bit racially skewed. Yes. Um, I have a story I was shared to me on Facebook. I want to share it with you guys. Because another thing, if we don't know, we can't do better. Exactly. So, um, okay, um, there's a client one who's a white woman. She was able to birth at home. So she transfers to the hospital to birth her baby. Her baby was born healthy. Um, Mom was healthy. Baby was healthy. And she has to leave after 24 hours after birth. And the hospital staff obliged. She was able to sign herself out um, against medical advice, and she goes home. On the other end of the spectrum, a black woman unable to birth at home. She was transferred to the hospital to birth her baby. Her baby was born healthy. Mom and baby are both healthy. She has to leave less than 24 hours after birth and the hospital staff refuses. They give every excuse why she can't leave. Clients ask to sign self-vow against medical advice. And after a lot of back and forth with staff, They allowed her to go home. Well, when mom gets home, the the hospital had called um, DCF and they filed a report. The police show up at 1 a.m. and they burst into her home. Mom and children are traumatized all because they are concerned about the baby. This is what makes having a baby in the hospital look like for many black women daily when you exercise your rights being told you don't have the rights to your baby in the hospital. It's up to us to um, determine the rights for your baby, the hospital. Um, This is what I woke up to this morning in America. Another mom stressed beyond belief due to the fear of losing her baby and children because the hospital didn't respect her or her rights of her child. Mm. Yeah, this and um, this was a post that was put on Facebook. Uh, I've seen it shared among several of um, 
people in the birthing community and people need to hear what's going on. Yeah. So I kind of want to go back. Um, when, when in your life, when was the first time you heard a racist slur or when you were even like, <laughs> when the thought of race or that something was different or wrong even came across your mind? Um, so my upbringing was a little different. My grandparents raised me. So, um, they, I, they told me a lot about their life experiences too. So at the time when I was younger though, I didn't even realize when racism was happening sometimes, Mm -hmm. but my grandparents would make me aware, Hey, this is what this was, or this is what happened. So, um, one of the first things I remember, I was at the doctor's office with my grandfather and whenever they took us out to, we were waiting to go to be seen. I was the one being seen that day. Well, we're sitting in the outside waiting room and they called us in to wait. They had us sitting out in the hallway. And um, I remember my grandfather, he seemed to get uncomfortable and really upset. So he, he told me to stay where I was and he would be right back. We well, came back and then they moved us into a different waiting room with other white people. Wow. So I didn't, I'm not, I'm about nine years old and I didn't understand what was happening at the time and why he was so upset until we left the doctor's office. And he was said, he said, that's how they used to do whenever they were young, they would not allow them to sit with the other white patrons in the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the first experiences of racism that I remember. And I wouldn't, I didn't know that, um, you know, a sitting out there and I understand it brought something back for him and he was able to make me understand why that wasn't okay. Um, Cause also during that time we were getting bypassed. People were just kind of looking over us, walking over us. And he was very upset about that. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we're not, we're not born. We're not, we're born colorblind. We just don't really notice these things. And I, I'm always curious what those first stories are for people when they realize, I know for me, it wasn't until seventh grade, I was raised all over the country and all over the world. And it wasn't until seventh grade, um, that a girl, a black girl got up in my face and she said, your great grandparents murdered my great parent, grand, grand, great grandparents and enslaved them and she threw me to the ground and kicked me in the face and I thought I was so confused because first of all I had never this was my first time on the east coast area Mm -hmm. where I had been raised all over all over and I just the thought had never occurred to me I actually didn't even know what slave I mean seventh grade guys but I had been I knew all about the Spanish and what they'd done to the indigenous in California because that's where I had spent the last couple years but I had like little like I didn't even know what slavery had been in the United States and I just remember thinking wow I just accidentally stepped on a landmine that I don't even know about and it made me really afraid it made me really afraid of the whole racism issue because I wasn't sure what I was allowed to say or do so even on both sides it's like as kids we're kind of thrown into this weird world and how do we navigate it (laughs) Right. And how do we repair the hurts of, of what happened? And <laughs> um, you're absolutely right. I'd be crazy. You know, um, and I think that's where it starts with each person is educating our children at home, letting yeah. them know how, you know, what was done. I think we have a lot of misinformation out in the world. And um, I think it starts at home, informing your children at home, um, and even to be sensitive to um, the issues that we actually didn't live through so that we can know how to handle it in the future. Yeah. Well, I believe very strongly in epigenetics. So I believe though, even though we didn't live through those things, that they are still in our, <laughs> they're in our DNA, that are, they're written on our hearts. Yes, which is why we feel uh, the pain that's going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. It affects us deeply. It's, some of us are being triggered in ways we didn't know we could be triggered because it's just... It's, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. One thing that has 
um, disturb me the most. And like going through my home, I, every time I stop and see my kid, uh, my son is hugging him or holding him because the one thing that happened to George while he was on the ground is he called for his mom. And that's an ancestral call. That's something that was, that's deep, that's reached deep inside. And mm-hmm. I think that speaking for all mamas, hey, we have to stand up for the things that are right. Mm-hmm. And we stand for the the mother line and to protect these women in birth. It's yes. Critical. Mm-hmm. And that is, and that's what, um, that's what me as a doula, I, I want to be able to help protect our moms. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, um, you, um, what, what, growing up, what were the things that you used to do to, as you became more and more aware of this situation, were there certain things you had to do to feel like you were safe or were there things that your grandparents taught? You said they were very upfront in, in helping you understand what was going on. What were the, some of the tools they gave you? Um, just, um, I went to a predominantly white school, um, whenever I was younger and, um, I don't really, I didn't feel like I experienced racism while in school, fortunately. So it wasn't, that wasn't, uh, safety wasn't really an issue at that time. Although when I did ride the school bus, I had been called racial slurs before and I just, at that time, I didn't really even understand why, why people would say things like that, because, you know, what's the reason behind it? Or, you know, they would be like, you know, inward, get out of my seat. And I'm like, you know, what's this? So that did, you know, uh, as a young child, that unnerved me. My grandmother, she would just tell them, you know, tell me to tell them, um, that's not my name. If you want to call me a, a name, you can call me by my name. Um, mm-hmm. so I didn't, I don't know that I felt unsafe, but I did not, it made me feel less than in the moment. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn to realize that it wasn't a me problem, that it was someone else. Yeah. So, um, so as you aged, you you have how many babies do you have? Um, I have um, I have two teenage kids, and I did have a child um, it, some years ago, and I you know I can touch on that too. I, and and when we talk about our my birth stories, yeah, that's where we're going. I would really love to talk about, um, yeah, what your birth experiences were like. So I do. I have a nineteen year old. <laughs> And I have a 15-year-old, I have a 19-year-old son, and I have a 15-year-old daughter. And so our conversations are a lot different now than they were for me when I was growing up, especially for my son. Um, I have to, and and a part of me feels like I shouldn't have to do that, but I do. I have to tell him, you know, when you're out, um, make sure you present yourself a certain way, be aware of your Mm -hmm. surroundings. Don't... um, if you happen to be approached by an officer, please follow the directions because I do fear for his life in the circumstances that we live today. Um, and he's your older? My oldest. He's 19. 19. So he's mm-hmm. right in the age group where he needs to... Oh, I'm just, I just hate that we even have to say he needs to be careful. It just really disgusts me. It's oh, I know. Yeah. It's and then your daughter probably has a whole other set of issues... Yes. As, as a black teenager. Girl, she does. You're absolutely right. Um, I'll touch on uh, with her. Um, I do remember her saying that she never really felt different until she hit middle school. And when she got middle school, she noticed, hey, why are all the black kids sitting at the lunch table together and all the white kids sitting at the lunch together, lunch table together? And she didn't really understand that. She didn't understand the separation. Yeah. And, it's hard to think, you know, I went to school with these kids from K-5 all the way up to fifth grade. And in sixth grade, she said they act like they didn't even know her. And that, you know, sixth grade was a tough year for her. Mm-hmm. Trying to find her place, trying to fit in, trying to figure out, well, what happened from last school year to this school year? 
Wow. Yeah. I wonder where that moment is. I know with my littles, um, we live in a predominantly white community. It's just where we are. And uh, we had a, a guest stay with us one time and he's, he was very dark, very, very dark. And my kids just, they were an, like enamored with him. They had never seen skin like that. And it's just, it's a notice. We are born colorblind, but at the same time, we do notice differences. Mm-hmm. And and it was just a, oh yeah, he's, his lineage is from Africa and he has darker skin. And this is, and then once we just kind of explained that it was just a different lineage and this is just, you know, how the color of his skin, they're like, oh yeah. And then they were crawling up in his lap and, you know, and they were completely fine. And I just wonder where in the point in our, <laughs> where's the point in that middle school or right before middle school where these kids subconsciously learned that they needed to segregate? Right, they felt they had to segregate. What what's up with that? Why do we do that? What happens? And I think that's still, um, unfortunately, that's another thing that's just in almost um, innately learned without us even realizing it. Um, they maybe all the black kids feel more comfortable with each other in that situation, and it just. I just know she was very affected by it. It's something that she's, she's, um, she's going to 10th grade and she still talks about going into sixth grade. Oh man. Oh man. Okay. So, um, to your, back to your birth experiences, what, what do you think? Yeah. How were you treated during your pregnancies and births? Okay. So, um, my son, um, my oldest, my birth experience with him, I was younger. I was 19 when I had, um, yeah, when I had him. So I don't, I, I don't feel like his birth experience was very negative. I had my grandmother with me a lot and she was able to help me work through everything, but there was so much I didn't know. And there were so many things I wasn't informed about. And in hindsight, I look back now and I'm like, wow, no one told me I didn't have to do this. No one told me I didn't have to, um, have I could that I could walk around whenever I was in the hospital you know they would tell me I you know just stay in the bed or mm-hmm. we we're gonna put the furniture on you you have to stay in the bed and I was just following directions I didn't know that there were so many rights for me to be able to have the birth that I wanted so fast forward through his birth so I um ended up having a natural birth with him in the aspect that I didn't have any um, pain medicine but it was almost by default because um, whenever they came in to put the epidural in, I just was terrified. I wasn't calm. And I remember the anesthesiologist actually being very rude to me, saying I'd wasted his time. Mm-hmm. And I, that I, that was uh, like, wow, I wasted your time. Like, this is what you're, you know, you were called to do. And it's a, it should be okay for me to refuse it up to the point that you haven't done it yet. Yeah. Um, I mean, that just makes sense. To <laughs> sorry me. for inconveniencing you while I'm having the most physically intense experience of my life, but um, sorry. <laughs> right. My, my bad. So <laughs> I, shortly after he left, I don't know if it was the anger that I started to feel that I had inconvenienced the anesthesiologist or what, but shortly after that, my son came, he was, you know, he made it into this world. Um, and I decided to breastfeed him and Um, I didn't have a lot of encouragement, not even from my own family to do that, because I think there are also some stigmas there. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, can we, can we, um, digress for a minute? Yeah. Do you find that there's a stigma around breastfeeding, um, across races that like, perhaps, what are your thoughts about that? Okay. So, um, uh, again, like I was raised by my grandmother and I, I talked to her about it thoroughly beforehand and. She said that doctors did not encourage them to nurse. In fact, they gave them medication to stop their breasts from producing milk. So why? Um, just said that it was better for kids to have formula. That's what they were telling Do them. You think, but but well, that was that a generational thing or was that a race a racial racial thing? I think what happened is it started in that it being a generational a generational thing. But then it turned into it being um, a thing with black women. Like it made them feel ashamed, you know, to nurse. And um, it was shunned so much that people, it just, 
stopped happening. And that was a lot in definitely in black communities where they were pushing formula on women to feed their babies. So my, unfortunately my girl, she had three boys, one of which is my dad. She breastfed none of her children. Wow. Wow. So she really wasn't able to support you very well either because she just hadn't been able to do it either. She wasn't pressured not to. Not to. You chose to breastfeed your son. I did. I chose to breastfeed my son. Um, and I had a wonderful experience with it. Um, that was something I did. I do have to say at the time I did have a lactation counselor that worked with me and she helped me understand. But once I got the hang of it, 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 it flowed like, I felt like this is natural. This is what I yeah. do. Yeah. So then when your daughter came along, you, you breastfed her t- probably I too. too. I did. Yeah. I, I nursed her um, until she was like three years old. She, it turned out she had a whey allergy when I tried to switch her from the bottle um, to milk and her body rejected the whey protein in milk. So she nursed until she was three, which is, that was fine. I was like, you know, well, that's what it's here for. So. Wow. Cool. All right. So what about your birth with your daughter? Um, okay. My birth experience with her. Well, um, it was also, I actually had her preterm. Um, so that was a little scary just because I knew she was coming earlier and, um, there before I had her, um, I had some medical issues in the past. So it caused a couple, some things to go on with that birth. So I, you know, it was kind of touchy the whole time. So she had something called intrauterine growth retardation, Mm -hmm. which he was going to be a small baby anyway. Um, but turns out, um, I, I did, I chose not to have any pain meds with her, but I do recall them having to do a lot of things that were really invasive. Um, adding the fetal monitor, you know, to her scalp and, um, me not being able to move or walk around to help my labor progress. Luckily, um, it was a blessing that she just decided to come on her own as well, because I, at some points I'd kind of given up, like, geez, what's about to happen next? Because I knew that, I don't know, I felt like I was on a time clock that if I didn't have her in a certain amount of time, because my water had broke, mm-hmm. that, um, we were going to have to go for a C-section, but luckily she, she came, she came. <laughs> yeah. So do you feel like, um, I almost don't want to ask you where you gave birth because it will give us an idea of where in the country you are and like make, ju- make judgments about that part of the country. So like, I'm trying to stay away from that <laughs> question. Um, but I just want to know, like, do you, do you feel like th- that your care providers were pretty racially sensitive or that was it the your mama bear your your grandma that was there to protect you or did what um, do you think contributed to your experiences being so supportive um well my last experience I do feel like um with with my daughter she her dad was there I think that him, him being there that was the support system that I think allowed the nurses that were dealing with me to be supportive as well, because mm. sometimes, you know, I think people automatically assume a, sometimes when a black woman comes in, cause he didn't get to go to all appointments. He worked. Um, he, it, I think that changed the dynamic of the way that they treated me with my daughter's pregnancy. Now, but you think they sometimes maybe assume a black woman coming in is doing being a single mom? Is that kind of what mm-hmm. they're assuming? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, also, I'll, I had a baby in between both my son, between my son and daughter, and that would I would have to say out of all three of them, that was my the negative experience, the negative side for birthing for me. Um, Prior to having him, I knew that he was going to have um, some issues and even told that he may be stillborn. Well, I had him at 39 weeks and he wasn't stillborn, but he did have several complications. Um, I, at one point, the doctor, the neonatal doctor that was on call, he 
he was very rude to me and was pressuring me to make a decision on putting a trach in my into my son. And I I remember feeling and trying to look for any face to support me in that situation. And I didn't have that. It was just like, you know, you need to make this decision. Um, I don't care what you do. You know, you just need to tell me what you need me to do. It was very cold and callous. Um, He wasn't the doctor that I saw the whole time as either. So that also made a difference. Um, You know, and I think people go in with an idea that you're going to see a doctor you saw. And when I didn't, and this has been, Okay, so my oldest was born in 2001 and my middle baby was born in 2002. So you still see how that's been, that was in that time. And then this is still going on. I know. Oh, my gosh. Still going on. So um, you have uh, you're part of an organization called Black Mothers Matter, too. Is that. Tell us no, about- no, I just I just was saying Black Mothers Matter, too. Like, I think even in all of this that's happening, people don't, they the awareness for black mothers that are um, not being treated fairly in the birthing space. I want to just say that black moms matter too. They do. They do for sure. So do you feel like the quality of care you received with your second pregnancy, then you didn't really feel like you had an advocate. You didn't feel like anybody was really listening or helping you. It sounds like the doctor just gave you your choices and almost like expected you to make these big scientific decisions without any emotion behind it. He did. He did. Uh, and I, I do, I still have, I have a, I guess an emotional scar from that. Like, which, which brings me to why, you know, I didn't know how I could help other mothers to or help prevent them from going through those things. And I started to do more research and then I realized um, there was something called a doula. And I was like, I I don't even know what that is. Mm -hmm. So I I continued to research and then I saw doula was mid-servant. And I was like, okay, this is something that women in my community need to know about. Like, I didn't even know that we could have someone help us through one of the most sensitive and strengthening times of our lives. So once I, I did more research and so the, it had been over years because I was like, how do I, how do I find a way to do this? And then going through different organizations and looking and looking, trying to find one that resonated with me, I found one to certify me and it's called the Set Apart Collective. And the person who started that, her name is Stormy Harmon. And she specifically trains her doulas in how to care for women of color. And it resonated with me. And I was like, this, this is a sign. This is where I need to be. This is what I want to do. This is my part. Yeah. So um, there was this, I don't even, I don't even know how to phrase this. Don't send me hate mail. But there was this belief that black people felt pain less sensitively than white people. Oh, and, and do you think that's played a part in birth? Like you see a black woman laboring and then subconsciously, if you've been, if you've been seeping in this racist culture, then you yeah. would subconsciously think, oh, she's just, she's fine. She'll be fine. Whereas a woman, a white woman making the same noises would be seen as have it being in pain. Absolutely. Um, this is something where, um, people in the medical field are apparently, and even other, you know, they have been taught and it's uh, definitely a myth been taught that we don't definitely a myth. Although it is true that red, redheads do feel more pain, right? Like there's actually scientific proof that they have like something, but, but that's different. This is, this is just an assumption probably back. Yeah. Feel pain in the same way that their white counterparts do. And I think that that's part of the systemic, the systemic racism, like them. You automatically think whenever a woman's complaining, a black woman, it's complaining that it's, oh, she's just, she's okay. She's just being dramatic. No, she's not being dramatic. She feels pain. (laughs) I mean, that's, you know, and 
over time. And another thing, it's the same with um, whenever she wants answers about something. Oh, she's just looking for a reason to complain. No, that's not it. She, she can be informed. I keep thinking like maybe the more we talk about this, maybe we'll find like this cushy understanding, this this warm fuzzy. But the more we keep talking, the more angrier I get and the more I feel, I mean, I'm already angry. <laughs> but the more I feel like how on earth do we begin to unravel the mess that is it's racism and then the overlay of racism in birth? Yes. I mean... Like, and it's almost like, not not even to jump on, because I'm not, uh, to jump into the politics part of it, but that's kind of where it starts. We have to get leaders and people in politics to change some of these ideas so that it trickles down into the hospital systems and trickles down into the healthcare system so that um, people can start to work together so that all women have healthy births and can so- survive birth. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's both ways. It's uh, the hospital and legislators and the politician, mm-hmm. but it's also on the ground doulas. So talk more yeah. about the training that you had and how a doula can help change, can help improve the outcome of a maybe what would be a racist uh, of affected birth. I don't know how to say even say. How do you even say these things? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, first, I think with doulas, like um, the first thing that we can do is inform, inform, allow, uh, let people know, let, especially in where I was, tra- where I was trained, um, women of color need support systems, wherever it may come from, whether it's um, their partner, their mom, their sisters, their aunts, they need these support systems. And Within these support systems, we have to educate them as well. So we can help them know how to care for this mom throughout her pregnancy and after her pregnancy. Um, so some of the specific training that would be different, uh, that was different in your, your mentor taught, you know, specifically women of color. What were some of those techniques that were specifically aimed to help women of color? I, okay, one of the things is, um, well, like I said, like with the information, allowing women of color to know that you don't have to birth in a hospital. There are other avenues. You don't have to have a doctor. You can have a midwife. There are, you know, you, you can- Even just and, even and helping them understand those basic choices. Exactly. And another, you know, because like I said, I didn't even know what a doula was. I still encounter people that are like, what is a doula? Why would I listen to you and not my doctor, you know, and you have to inform them that I'm not there to work against the doctor. I'm there to help improve your birth experience. I'm here to here to give you um, tools that you can use to help pain management, um, teach you that you don't have to have interventions and that you can, you know, create a space for your birth that's positive for you, that you don't have to do uh, please everyone else around you. And then there comes the postpartum care whenever a mom's at home. Having other family members or friends come in and help mom so that she can rest with her child. A lot of black women go right back to work because that's just how they've, the things that they've seen, the things that, that that's how it's done. You know, you have your baby, you're out for six weeks and you go back. But um, it's more to it. You have to allow your body to heal. And we need to be informed of that. So it's, it's almost like I, it's almost like the culture of this race, the racist culture over the last hundreds of years has changed the entire culture of family development too. I mean, you're seeing these things. And I, and I guess I'm, I, see, I see what you're saying. But in my community, that's not what we, that sounds more 20 years ago. And so it's almost like this bubble that you, that this bubble is keeping these women kind of in the dark as to what their rate, their, their options are and their rights, right? Exactly. You're exactly right. Because this sounds so archaic. It sounds like the way 
my grandma gave birth and things. And, you know, I'm going, I'm, this is so interesting to me because I, I have a dear friend in the, um, uh, in the Latino community and she says similar things that it's not seen as cool to see you're seen as poor if you breastfeed and you're seen as, um, (laughs) what's the word? Uh, uncultured and uncouth if you want a home birth or even if you want a midwife and that like even and if you want an unmedicated birth then you're seen as kind of like a I don't know even even that but that it's you should get an epidural because that's what you do when you're in your status and I just I'm listening to her telling me these things and I'm going that's not what I hear what why are you getting so much such a different message and we have exactly the same hospital in our town Mm -hmm. that's strange you know it's it's something that needs to be addressed and letting people know that um actually the ways of having midwives and um that's before like you said like over years ago black women were midwives black women were the midwives Yes. So I, I think I resonate with that as well. Like it just almost feels like it's meant to be like, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. It's like returning to your actual heritage. And then it was almost, Oh, I'm getting angrier. It was almost like by stripping the black midwives out of the community, it was another act of racism. It was an act of violence. Yes. Because in the reality of it, who can care for you better than someone who is like you? Like, we need more Black doulas to help care for Black women so that they can receive the care and they have someone to relate to in that way. So I'm going to ask a really sensitive question. Mm-hmm. How is, because uh, you said I could ask you anything, how is mm-hmm. asking for more women of color in the birth space, how is that um, helping take down the race, the walls of racism? and not building that up? How is that not perpetuating this thing? Oh, the black women have their black doulas, the white women have their white doulas. Help me kind of, I know it's a mess, messy question, but hey, um, bugging me. Let's see. <laughs> let's see. Um, I think what happens there is because, again, a lot of black women aren't, aren't even aware that they can have doulas. So, mm-hmm. um, Oh, I see where you're going. This is cool. They're, yeah, they're not even aware they can have them. So if if we can show them in our own communities that this is something that can be offered to you, then we can care for them in ways that they didn't know. We can inform them in ways that they didn't have access to before. Because I've um, up until... I actually took doula training. I'd never actually even met another doula except the doula of color that trained me. Mm. So um, I, I think that if the, the information, putting this information in our communities, making it available for Black women to know that, hey, this is another option to help you through your birth. So you have someone to advocate for you as far as giving you a voice giving you a chance to stand up for yourself, giving you informed decision-making skills. And that's something that I didn't experience and you know, in my birth experience. And I know that there are other women that didn't as well. I see that. So by having, by focusing on empowering doulas to help these women with their choices, we are that is basically leveling the playing field. Like it's basically bringing them the same level of empowerment that everybody else is getting. And in so doing, it takes away the racist overlay. Mm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Okay. First warm fuzzy of the episode, but still, it's still upsetting this whole thing. This, this whole, ah, so, um, I know, I know a story of a, of one of my friends. She had, she almost, developed sepsis like a very very dangerous infection um, because she kept being ignored and she feels it was definitely because of race so what are some of the things as um uh providers like what are some of the 
Okay. So you talked about training doulas in their community and training midwives in their community to serve in their community. Now, Mm -hmm. what if you have to go cross community and what are some of the things that professionals, um, doctors, OPs can learn, nurses can learn so that they can be more racially sensitive that, that again, like I, I hug, I still, I think I still have trauma as a seventh grader. Like, here's the thing is I'm first generation American. My parents weren't even born here. So my great grandfather couldn't have hurt her great grandfather. Like the whole argument was ridiculous, ridiculous to me, but I still look at it. Like I'm afraid to touch the issue because I got so much in trouble for something I didn't understand before. So I feel like this is probably what a lot of providers are up against. And a lot, I mean, it's just uninformed and we hear all the time, well, we're not allowed to, um, we're not, well, and, and I believe this too, black, black women especially are not responsible for educating you about racism or about, you have to do your own work. And so, but it's kind of like, how do we, how do we help these people that are too afraid to ask questions? How do we help them get the resources they need so they can be culturally sensitive and culturally competent in all races? Like, is that a good um, Okay, so, um, well, because I, you know, honestly, I haven't in depth went to that to like, as far as like our medical, like our doctors informing them, but what I have seen, and that's definitely something that I, you know, after speaking to you, something I feel like I can do is collect some resources, um, some footage, books, speeches, things that I've heard and seen that could help people at least um, take in and get a survey of what has been going on so that they can try to see it from the view of the the Black pregnant women. Um, Because I, one, I'll, I'll just say this, one thing I've been seeing recently since all of uh, since things have been going on and been hiding heightened during this special during time, a- <laughs> the twilight zone. <laughs> so um, I've seen some of my friends post lists of uh, books and movies and things that non non people color could watch to help them see things in a different light. Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. But what is there like a code word that somebody could say that's basically, hey, I'm your ally. I don't understand your experience. I'm never going to be in your skin, but I care for you. And I want you to know, like, is there there a word that the doctor could say and just say, hey, girlfriend, I've got your back. And well, maybe not say girlfriend. That's I don't know. (laughs) Um, yeah, maybe not say girlfriend, but, um, I think being, again, coming back to transparency, I think, I think just be honest and say, Hey, I don't understand this. I don't understand why you feel this way. Maybe if we could get that narrative going. Um, and also with women having doulas to help inform them so that they can put their out on the table you know, that way they're able to advocate for themselves and know that they have, they have, um, they have to consent to the things that are done to them, that they don't have to allow people to just, or doctors to just make the decisions for them. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, could, could somebody say, um, would it be okay if I ask you questions throughout your experience to see how you're feeling? Cause I want to make sure I understand and support you in the best way. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is definitely something that would be okay. And then some, they could say, um, if you feel like at any point, any, anything I say or any way I care for you is somehow segregatory or racist, will you please let me know? That's super vulnerable for a care provider, but that would, oh my gosh, how would you feel if they said that? I would, I would feel one, I would feel like they're listening. Yeah. that they, you know, they, they hear me, you see me or you hear me and you recognize that this is an issue. Yeah. So recognizing, right. That's like yeah. half the battle, most of the battle, right? 
It is. It is. Because once, you know, if we are blinded and act like, you know, go through and act like we don't know what's happening, then how do you solve it? It's true. And the other thing, too, is I'm interested in talking a little bit about is we not only have the the racist um, overlay, but we also have like many subcultures in the United States. So it's mm-hmm. not like we just happen to have skin colors that align with the subcultures a little bit. And so it's not, it's not even just the color of your skin, but I know like the culture, the culture of my family is different than the, the extended family is different than the culture of your extended family. And we're going to interact with health providers in a different way, just based on our culture. Exactly. And so Mm -hmm. you're coming from a place like, I hate the idea of like a submissive a submissive birthing mother, but if she's coming from a family culture that is more submissive and then her, the color of her skin is also playing into the, it's just a mess. It is. It is. That's why as another thing, you know, just as black moms matter, I think black doulas matter in that aspect too, whenever, you know, so that we're not judged by the color of our skin going into this. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been at a birth where you where you felt you were seen as less than? Well, no. See, actually, um, at this moment, I'm still building clientele. It's so all the births that I have participated in have been family members. Mm-hmm. So it hasn't been where someone would judge me. So, so so far, it's you're building a foundation of great. So when when something happens amiss, you'll be like, oh hell no, <laughs> don't even go there with me, right? right? I think I believe I, you know, at this point, like I can already, I, you know, feel sensitive to it. So now it's like I have tools to actually use to yeah. combat. That. And you would do it with, like, you would meet that energy coming back at you with the equal energy that needs to. Yes, that needs be there to be. at that moment. That yeah. moment, yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah. it's not about. That's the other thing. Is just again going back to my seventh grade experience. It's just it's not about like shoving it in somebody's face that they're wrong and stupid. But it's going. Hey, wait a minute. I mean, if this girl had just stopped, I would have been like, wait a minute, what slavery? And she would have been like, you don't even know what's wrong with you. And then we could have had an amazing conversation. You could have been more. <laughs> Like, yeah, that's, and I can imagine that, you know, going into situations where we don't understand, that's why I think it's so important starting at the education level that we go through and um, let our kids know, hey, these are things that happen. These are things that have gone on. This is how we can help combat it. This is what we can do to help bring one another together instead of being so separate or um, just being seen as so different that were treated differently when it comes all the way down to birthing women of color being treated differently in the birth space. You know, there was one question I remember Sarah, uh, Sarah Jess had put on there and it was, did I ever want to change the color of my skin? And no, I never did. But I was talking to my daughter last night and she said there were times that she wanted to. And I think that my grandmother empowered me so much that she made it where even whenever it was things were dark or not going so well, she still made me proud to be a black woman. So I'm trying to instill those values and those ideas in my daughter that, you know, we can't help. We don't choose to be born black. We don't choose to be born white. Whenever race or nationality, ethnicity we're born into, that's not our choice. And we have to embrace each other because we all bleed the same. Mm-hmm. We all birth the same. We birth the same. We do. We all birth the same. And I think we, we all deserve the same privileges and rights. Yeah. Well, oh, again, still not left with warm fuzzies because there's just so much work to do here. It And it just... I feel like the anger I feel <laughs> is is how I just I don't even know how to express like I can't say sorry for a, a a generation of people that I didn't even belong to at the same time like I just want to birthing women to have 
a community, no matter what their color, their age, their race, their gender, like it just, it's, um, as tough as it is, like you and I right now, I feel like it's, uh, it's something that has to be discussed. Um, awareness is part of allowing people to understand, um, what is actually going on out there in the birthing world. Yeah. Well, can you tell us more um, how people can find you, get in touch with you? I know you have an Instagram account. Go yes, ahead and tell um, us. I have an Instagram account. It's at Sheeta Dula. And um, it's, I. Um, I'm going to spell it. I'm going to spell, spell it really fast because you broke up a little bit. S-H-E-D-A Dula, D-O-U-L-A. Yes. And I, I am the heart and soul of Sincerely Yours Doula Services. Um, I'm located in upstate South Carolina, and I'm willing to travel through South Carolina for birthing moms. And I'm ready to do my part and make a change. I want to, I'm tired of hearing the stories of, you know, this disparities. I want to bring a positive experience mm-hmm. to color in their birthing spaces so that we can um build strong foundations for our families and communities amen and I want to listen I want to listen to everything you produce (laughs) I want to I want to just understand because I know the nuance of my own culture is is beautiful and terrifying at the same time and (laughs) and to understand somebody else's culture and lineage Again, it's uh, to me, it's not even, I don't know. I even hate the word race. I feel like it's a lineage, a culture. Like you have a story mm-hmm. to tell your entire, yeah. Just, I want to listen to it, all of it. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. So again, you can reach out to her on Sheeta Dula on Instagram or Facebook, Sheeta Dula. Um, and your email, you can also email me at media at birthcircle.com if you want to reach out to Rashida and I will put you directly in touch with her. Hey, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Giving me this opportunity to share some of my stories and just, uh, from my community as well. Thank you so much for this platform. Yeah. I appreciate you doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for going to the hard places with me. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Please visit us at birthcircle.com, join our Facebook groups, or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience. And thank you to LaunchPod Media, who produces these podcasts.